begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, your brothers and sisters in Christ on this wonderful Sunday morning. Uh, has it felt like your holiday season has been a long walk, a long journey already? A little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. So you've, 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 you've survived the holidays, now you're on the other side of it in a new year, and maybe you're a little bit like me where you're, you, all the excitement, the emotion, family coming, um, all of those things, I think there are times where it can be a little bit of a letdown on the far side, right? Where um, um, we, we kind of gear up, we ramp up for the holidays, and then all of a sudden January hits, and you're like, huh, life is still here, isn't it? Now, uh, if you feel like that a little bit this morning, um, you can have an extra cup of coffee. We've got plenty in the entryway. Um, but... I don't think you're alone. I mean, I think, I think we get to this time of year, January, February especially, and almost universally, in fact, statistics will back this up, uh, that these are some of the hardest months for us as human beings, right? Um, they see increased rises of, of mental health issues, of depression, um, of, of all of those things. And we might say, well, it's, it's because there's not as much sunlight, right? Maybe it's because it's cold outside and we're not out quite as much. Um, and I think all of those things are probably true, and they factor in because um, we, are, we are pretty complex human beings, right? But I think there's just kind of a natural uh, letdown a little bit when we get to this time of year. Say so we've pushed to this point, we've tried to finish strong in December, but now we're back at the start, right? And it's a long road ahead of us. If you feel a little bit like that, uh, you're not alone. Right? We've got a congregation full of people, people sitting next to you that probably feel very, very similar. Um, and so today, we want to look at that. We want to say, okay, um, how can we view our lives and our Christian walk with our God? Right? How does God actually prepare us for that walk, for, uh, no matter how long or how short that's going to be? Today, specifically, that's what we want to look at. And we're going to use... Uh, the story of the Magi, the wise men from the east, taking a long walk to see Christ. Now, I asked the kids, did you go anywhere for Christmas? I don't think they were, they, they're kids. They just, if you put them in the car, they'll follow you. They'll go with you, right? Um, but I'm guessing a lot of you maybe, maybe um, did some traveling this, this Christmas season or people came to you. When you were thinking about taking a journey, when you were preparing for a journey, it's important to know exactly what you're bringing with you, right? And on some level, you want to make sure the things that you pack are the things you're going to need and that you value and that you want to have along with you, right? I think that's, that's, that's um, almost unspoken. Have any of you ever been to the Mojave Desert? Okay, some of you have? Okay. Um, this is the Mojave Desert, Southern California, borders on Nevada, um, um, this specifically is called the Mojave Road in the Mojave Desert. Have any of you ever traveled the Mojave Road in the Mojave Desert? There you go. Okay, we've got a couple. Okay, so um, I never have done it. People do it. This is kind of a little bit of a bucket list type thing uh, for those that like to, like to adventure. Uh, the Mojave Road, um, back in the day, they say it was originally kind of... Kind of um, put in place by uh, Native Americans, by Indians. Then it was taken over by settlers. Um, and now today, it generally is just a uh, kind of a, a rough, rocky road 
that brings you and transverses the Mojave Desert. Mojave Desert, remarkably inhospitable, right? So if you were planning to go across the Mojave Desert, my guess is there are some things that you would want to bring. Water is probably number one, right? Um, Maybe communications number two, right? Um, Knowing if you're going to be able to get there and get back because it's, it's going to be a hard journey. You want to make sure you have what you need, right? If you travel the Mojave Road, though, there is a destination point about halfway through, which is called the Traveler's Monument, okay? Now, Traveler's Monument is not astounding to see. It's not um, huge sculptures. It's not a place where you can find water fountains and an oasis in the desert. It's nothing more than a pile of rocks, okay? So, Traveler's Monument, and if you travel the Mojave Road, and for those of you that have done it, maybe you've even done this, if you travel it, The tradition is you bring along the largest rock you can carry and place it on the traveler's uh, memorial, okay? Now, as you're packing your bags, you're thinking, what's important to bring? Our first instinct probably isn't the largest rock I can carry, right? If you are hiking a 14er, if you're going on a long trip, you, you pare things down, you say, If you're like me, I say, you know what? There's a washer and there's a dryer there. I don't need any more than two days worth of clothes. I'll just wash them, right? Right? Um, um, Does the place I'm going to have a Walmart? Are the prices at that Walmart the same as the prices at my Walmart? I don't need to pack any food, right? So I think we kind of go through and we say we want to pare things down just to the essentials. Traveling the Mojave Road... The tradition is bring a rock along, okay? Place it on the traveler's monument. So in the middle of this desert is this huge stack of stones. What's kind of fascinating is every last one of them was placed there by someone traveling, right? They didn't crawl there on their own. They were brought there. Now, uh, tradition has it. You're supposed to bring it for a couple reasons. Um, Number one uh, is sometimes maybe to remember people that you've lost. Uh, But the second one is just as kind of a a monument to um, an adventure, that kind of idea, right? Now, I won't put you guys on the spot. If you've gone, if you dropped a stone, there's a good chance it's still there. Because when you've dropped the stone there, how long do you think that stone stays on that monument? Forever. Because the last thing we want to do is then haul stones back out of the desert, right? So once it's there, it stays there. Now, I don't know if this can be on your bucket list. You say, well, okay, we're going to make a trip to the Mojave Desert. Um, I, also don't wonder, I also wonder rather whether the original trips were made on foot, that you were supposed to hike there, and so you were supposed to... But if you look at this picture real closely, there's a nice quad cab Tacoma there that probably drives you there wonderfully, right? But if you go, you'll find a stack of stones... Um, brought there for no other reason than, than to com- commemorate something, right? Today, we're going to talk about what are we carrying along with us as believers in our hearts, in our lives, and in our actions. And I think the question that our text and the Magi from the East really force us to ask is, are the things you're walking with, the things you're carrying, 
the things that are heavy upon your shoulders and, and maybe even feel as though they're breaking your back, are they worth it? Should you be carrying them? Do you want to be carrying them? Or are they simply a stone, right? That's nothing more than weight. Today, that's what we want to look at. We're going to walk with these wise men from the east to the west. They were in search. They were looking for something, right? Um, We could argue they left far lighter than what they came. Pray that we are able to do the same here today as we look at this, this story from the gospel. So, uh, let's jump into our text this morning. You're welcome to follow along with me in your bulletins if you'd like. Um, our opening verses, rather, um, are written, and actually our gospel text today is read, written by the gospel writer Matthew. And what's a little bit interesting as we kind of go into this, so um, we've celebrated Jesus' birth. The next story, the next readings generally in the Christian church year is a Sunday we, today we call Epiphany, which means revealing, right? So one of the very first lessons that around Christianity in the world reads after Jesus' birth is wise men, magi, coming from the east to the west, finding that Christ child. So we get to do the same here today, and it's from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's interesting. Um, um, most would say that Matthew was the, the possibly the very first gospel account written, eyewitness account of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, um, or at least very, very early. And Matthew specifically had a, a, an audience that he was writing to. So Matthew was um, formerly a tax collector. He was Jewish, right? And so his gospel, um, more than maybe any other gospel, um, references and quotes Old Testament prophecy, brings Christ into the reality of what was there. So Matthew does that, right, in our text today, but he does something else interesting as well. And this account of the Magi from the east to the west also challenges the religious establishment at that time, which this was Matthew's point, to shake up those who were there, to say, there is someone who has come, he is the Messiah, he is the promised Savior, he was born in Bethlehem, just as our prophecy has said, and this ought to to shake you up a little bit. So that's what our text does. And probably um, the, the greatest thing that maybe would have, I don't know if it would have shaken them, but they would have taken notice was that these wise men from the east were not Jews. They were not Israelites. These were Gentiles, right? Outside of the nation of Israel coming to bow down and worship Christ as their Lord and Savior. Matthew puts this out there for all the world to hear and to see, and he doesn't do it accidentally. He does it to show that Christ was was not just for a singular people or ethnic group, but for all people and all ethnicities. So let's jump into our text. You're welcome to follow along if you would like. Uh, We're going to kind of have three different points today as we go through it. Uh, And our theme, as I mentioned, is a long walk, um, but we'll have kind of three areas of saying, what's that long walk? So, we're going to read uh, just verses 1 through 3. Our text says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
Now, um, a few interesting things right off the start that we're, we're kind of getting introduced to from the book of Matthew. Um, many scholars will say that uh, the wise men coming from the east, so known as magi or wise men, uh, these were scholars, these were intellectuals, they studied not only astronomy but, but uh, um, academia in general, right? And so they had, they had access to scripture, they had access to knowledge and truth, and in fact, that's what they were searching for. Most uh, theologians and scholars will say that they came from Babylon. I think that's usually the most common uh, um, direction that they were coming from the east. If it was Babylon, if it was modern-day Iraq, we're talking probably about 500 miles on foot, right? And we know that there was undoubtedly more than three of them. We say there's, your nativity scenes have only three, right? Because your nativity scene makers don't want to have to produce 40, because it wouldn't fit on your mantle, right? Um, but we generally land on three because of the three gifts that were brought, but those three gifts were remarkably expensive, and travel was remarkably dangerous. So coming across would have probably been a caravan full of people, maybe 20, maybe 40 people coming across, searching for this Christ child. 500 miles, right? Some scholars make it triple that, 1,500 miles on foot. So this was not an easy journey. The wise men were searching. They were looking for answers. They were looking for truths. But that journey would have been brutal to do, right? It would have taken days and weeks, maybe months. And yet, they were compelled to find Christ. So here they come, and they run into and go talk to a man named Herod. Specifically, Herod the Great. Now, uh, if you don't know anything about Herod the Great, then you probably don't. Um, he was not a great guy. <laughs> there was nothing great about Herod, except in his own mind, maybe he was pretty great. Um, but in short, um, he was brutal, absolutely brutal, right? Uh, he was a murderer. By this point, that the Magi from the East come to the West to talk to him, um, he's, already, he's already in the twilight of his, his reign and his power. And, and what do those who have power do when they see that power ebbing away? They fight and they battle and at times they kill to retain it. So when the Magi run into Herod, he's in the twilight of his rule, right? He's trying to hold on to power as best as he can. By this point, he has put to death um, countless people, He's put to death his own relatives because he thought in his own paranoia that they were trying to usurp him, take his throne, right? So this was a man you did not want to run into purposefully um, and who had little regard for life. Uh, we don't have it in our text here today, but after the Magi visit that child, Jesus, and they leave, Herod orders all of the infant boys in Bethlehem to be killed two years old and under. If you can imagine the pain and the sorrow and the wailing that happened in Bethlehem. God warned Mary and Joseph, they became refugees and they ran. Right? But this is the guy who they're running into. So their, their trip had been brutal. They now run into a king who was brutal right? and who may very well put them to death. Was it worth it? their trip. Do you ever think maybe there were times when the Magi themselves asked themselves that? 
I, I think they maybe did. Now, let's say, well, pastor, they had, a, they had a star that was guiding them. So that's a pretty, like if we had a star guiding us to Wyoming, you know, maybe we'd make the, the brutal trip across Wyoming and the winds to get there, right? As long as the star, right? But, but we have to assume that there were points. See, these men were seeking truth. They were seeking answers. They were seeking fulfillment of prophecy that they had read about. And there had to have been times where they said in their own minds, is this worth it? There was probably un- undoubtedly people that they lost that died along the way during this journey. And they probably had to ask of themselves, is it worth it? This journey that we're taking, trying to find this prophecy and this truth, right? I think there are moments like that for us as well. We may not be traveling 1,500 miles, right? We may not be running into dictators as brutal as Herod, but we might. And in truth, our journeys are difficult as well. And I think that there are multiple obstacles, potholes, um, um, barriers in our way in our Christian walk with our Lord and Savior that at times each and every one of us, maybe verbally, but maybe just in our own heads, say, is it worth it? This Jesus thing, this Christian thing, this birth of a Christ child in Bethlehem, is it worth this pain, this suffering, this struggle, this animosity, this shame, and maybe even this persecution? If you've ever felt that way, I, I think the Magi probably did at times as well. But it also reveals something in us, I think. Because we also seek truth, don't we? We also seek answers. And, and I often tell people this, but, but everyone suffers. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you are a, a Christian or an atheist, no matter what, everyone on this earth suffers. And I think that in turn guides each and every one of us to search for answers. Answers for suffering, answers for pain, answers for brokenness, for the fractures within our relationships, and just for life in general when we look around. It is universal that we search. The wise men did, you do as well. What answers we find, I think, are vital. We talk about carrying a rock across the Mojave Desert, We want to know that what we're carrying and what we're searching and actually what we find is worthwhile. I think the Magi asked the very same questions and I think we do as well. So let's continue in our text and kind of leads to our first point there. This is a long walk for freedom, right? Freedom within our hearts, freedom from sin, freedom understanding and knowing truth. Next couple verses here, verse 11. 9 through 11. <clears throat> On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, two times in our text, you've seen the term worshipped, right? So, on the front end, the Magi were coming to worship, right? They were searching for truth. They were searching for something that was worthwhile of their worship, of their praise, of their adoration. They were searching for something or someone who was the answer to prophecy and fulfillment, and that would answer the deeper questions that their hearts were asking. So, on the front end of our text, 
They're, they're looking, they're searching to worship. But here, they find something that absolutely was worthy of that worship. It was nothing short of the infant Christ. No longer in a manger, but this infant Christ, born to Mary and Joseph, whom they had been guided to, was the answer to prophecy, was the answer to the questions that they had within their own hearts, and ultimately exactly who they found right in Bethlehem. And how do we know that? How do, how do we know that they found the answers that they were looking for? Because they worshipped. And because they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hypothetically, if they had gotten there and they said, this isn't it. This isn't him. This isn't who we were looking for. And it doesn't answer the deeper questions that we have been asking. Do you think they would worship? Do, they think, do you think that they would give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Some of you are thinking, yeah, probably wouldn't be very good stewardship of our finances to do that, right? And yet, the pretty simple reaction from these magi after this incredible journey was to do that, was to bow down at the feet of Jesus as their Lord and Savior because they knew who they had found. They had found the answer to prophecy. They had found the answer that their hearts were asking. They had found the answer to sin. They had found forgiveness in Christ. So if, if they left looking for freedom, they now had freedom with them. Freedom, bodily form in Christ. Question for you. Do you have more fun packing and preparing for a vacation to go to a vacation or coming home from one? I would say going usually, right? Right? In fact, I would say um, if it's a vacation you want to go to, um, if it's a destination that, that you know is you're going to find joy and peace and relaxation and in some sense freedom. Um, packing's almost a second thought. Um, maybe if, since it's wintertime and you're dreaming of beaches, um, if you pack nothing more than those four items, I could be okay, <laughs> right? I could be okay, right? Um, um, I, I think that's a view of, of when we're headed towards something that we really want. And we know we are going to find that beauty and that freedom there. It's vastly different than when we pack to come back home. If you're like me or my family, um, you do, on the way to a trip, you have, you have all of your clothes like nicely laid out. Or some of you are like, you're kind of next level. So you roll your clothes, right? They're all rolled in. Yeah, some of you are, these are knowing grins you're giving me, right? You're, they're all rolled and your, your suitcase is just beautiful and packed. It's got everything. When you go back home, you roll your clothes? No, not a lick. For me, I like everything in there, all the dirty laundry, all on top, put my knee in it and try to zip around it, right? Because you're not near as excited on the way back as you are on the way there. I think maybe too often we view our, our journey as believers the wrong way around. And here's what I mean by that. Um, um, far too often I think we, we maybe view our journey as as something we have to do in order to get there. But what these magi found in Christ is the there. It is Christ. It is nothing short of your sins forgiven. The answers, the questions, answers to the questions that your heart 
raises over and over and over again. Every time you argue with your spouse, every time your kids don't respond in the way that you want to, every time you lose a job or are threatened to lose a job, every time you see uh, um, wars and battles on the news around us, every moment that we see the brokenness in which we live, the answer is Christ. It's that manger. God taking on human form on our behalf. That child that the Magi found in his infancy was destined to stretch his arms out on a cross to give his life on that cross, not only for those Magi and wise men, but for you and I, so that we would know that our sins are forgiven. And so, I think we can move a little more lightly because the burden of sin has been taken care of. Not through your best efforts, not because we are such good, upright, moral people, but squarely and solely because of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That infant that those magi found means that the greatest burden that we carry upon our shoulders, our sin and our brokenness, we can lay at the foot of the cross and know without a shadow of a doubt that our Lord and Savior not only carried it, but paid for it. I don't know how long your journey is going to be. Some longer than others. If these little guys, lifetime ahead of them. But we know that we can walk with the freedom that we have of Christ, knowing that our sins are forgiven. So I pray that even our life this side of heaven can feel a little bit more like we're on our way there, (laughs) rather than grueling and grinding on the way back. Which leads us to our very last point here. Uh, Galatians 5.1, Paul actually reminds us of the freedom that we have that the Magi found in that, in that infant Christ. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened down by a yoke of slavery. And so Paul encourages us. Let us lay our sins, our burdens, our struggles at the foot of the cross and know that we are absolutely free, right? The Magi were looking for freedom, You now get to travel with freedom, but it's not without purpose. One last point, verse 12. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So what do we do with this, right? We've laid our sins down, the freedom that we know we have as we travel towards eternity. Well, I think these wise men can give us a pretty good example, right? What did they do? They went back. And what did they say? They told everyone of the freedom that they had. They shared the good news of the prophecy fulfilled, the Messiah that they had found, that sins had been forgiven. They, they did not keep it to themselves, rather shared it with those who were close and near and dear to them and with their home country. If you go on the Mojave Road and if you carry your rock there, Supposedly, there is a plaque in the middle of this stack of rocks. Now, the plaque says something, but any traveler to the monument is sworn to secrecy as to exactly what it says on there. Okay? When you hear that, and you hear that it's sworn to secrecy, and that no one's supposed to know what is on the plaque in the middle of the Mojave Desert, what does your mind do right away? You want to know what I did? I googled it. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's what we do, right? We, oh, it can't be any secrets, right? 
So I Googled it. Here's what's really fascinating. In a world where we are inundated with information, and listen, some of you are going to do this after you leave here today. (laughs) In a world where we are inundated with information, um, it is remarkably hard to find what is actually written on that plaque. I actually don't know if I found it. I think I might have, but I'm not even so sure. So it's fascinating, right? Meant to be a secret. The inverse is true for us and for what the Magi found in that, in Bethlehem, right? We are not to keep this to ourselves. It's not meant to be a secret. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to um, lighten the load and ease the burden of those in our lives who, who are beaten down and burdened under the weight of sin and brokenness every single day. Guess what you get to do in this new year? You get to share with them the truth of Christ, the freedom they have in him, the fulfillment of that prophecy, right? We get to go tell it on any mountain we want, right? That Jesus Christ was not only born, but that he died and rose again and that our sins are forgiven. The Magi came looking for freedom. They went home walking with freedom. And lastly, our joy is we get to share that freedom. I pray the Lord does that for you, for us, whether it's here in Firestone, in Carbon Valley, maybe it's in London or in Albania or wherever it is around the world, we have the opportunity to share that very same truth, freedom that we have in Christ. Amen.